Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHMLP Ravenswood, West Virginia. I'm dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything. Yes, everything in racing that happened in the last week. We'll discuss the latest news and occasionally even have a star-studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer, because this is Speed Zone. Hey, welcome to Speed Zone. I'm your host, Ben Cower, as always, and thanks for tuning in. Got a great show for you tonight, right here on WMUL-FM, where it's Daytona 500 weekend. We got plenty of racing, not just the Daytona 500, the biggest race of the year for the NASCAR Cup Series. We've also got ARCA, we've got the, we've got the Craftsman Truck Series, we also got the Xfinity Series, and then also the World Series of Asphalt Racing at New Smyrna. Lots to talk about tonight and lots to go over in this busy weekend of racing. So thank you for tuning in. It's Daytona weekend, Speed Week for NASCAR. Let's dive right into Flag to Flag, recapping everything that happened this past week. Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. And it was a busy week and weekend of racing, especially in the Sunshine State, Florida, to be exact, as four series raced all over the state, two of them at New Smyrna. We'll start out with the NASCAR Wheeland Modifieds, which raced the New Smyrna Beach Area Visitors Bureau 200 at New Smyrna Speedway on Saturday. And the winner of that race was Ron Silk who picked up his second Wheeland Modifieds title just a year ago. Craig Lutz, though, set the fastest time in final practice and qualified on the pole. It was the car to beat through most of the first half of the race. However, he lost the lead to Silk on lap 80. Despite getting back to his highest second place, Lutz was just never able to return up front and Lutz had to settle for a 12th place finish when the field took the green on the final restart of the race with just 10 laps to go. Silk was lined up third behind Austin Beers and fellow modified tour vet Doug Kobe. Contact between Beers and Kobe entering turn one on that final restart allowed Silk to slide in a second. Just a couple laps later, Silk dived underneath Beers and took the lead. And he was able to do so forcefully in part to some fresher tires, 20 laps fresher tires to be more specific than beers. Justin Bonsignor then mounted a charge at Silk over the final couple laps of the race, but could not catch the number 16 car and had to settle for second place. Doug Kobe ended up third place despite his slide with 10 laps to go. Patrick Emerling, who will also be competing in the NASCAR Xfinity race, salvaged a fourth place finish after a bit of an incident on lap 127. And Trevor Catalano finished fifth in his Wheeland Modified Tour debut. Austin Beers, who was also up front late, had to settle for sixth in the finishing order after the contact on that last restart. And also this past week, not just one, not two, not three, but four days and nights, more specifically, of racing at Volusia Speedway Park. 
in Barberville, Florida for the World of Outlaws at the Federated Auto Parts Dirt Car Nationals. Again, Wednesday through this past Saturday. Top three of race number one Wednesday night. Brad Sweet was the victor. Tyler Courtney finished second by just over six tenths of a second. David Gravel had to settle for third but earned a podium finish. The top three, race number two on Thursday evening. David Gravel, who finished third the night before, took home the victory. Race number two, Rico Abreu was gapped by just over 1.2 seconds in the victory. Abreu had to settle for second and Justin Peck rounded out the top three. Then race three, top three of that race on Friday night, Tyler Courtney picked up his first World of Outlaws victory of the year. Rico Abreu had to settle for being the bridesmaid yet again, this time by a much slimmer margin, just over 1.76 of a second. And then Brad Sweet was third place. Then top three in the final race of the weekend at Volusia, the race number four, Saturday night in Sheldon Haudenschill took home the victory. Anthony Macri finished in second place by 2.5 seconds. Brad Sweet, who won the first race of the weekend, ended up rounding out the top three. Then the High Limit Racing Series, uh, debuting with some new names this year and some fresh energy, fresh money in the series. And it was Young Money winning the A feature in the race number one of the season, the season opener on Monday night. Again, it East Bay Raceway Park at Tampa, Florida. Kyle Larson was the victor. Cole Macedo had to settle for second, and Tanner Thorson rounded out the top three. Then Kyle Larson, who won the A feature in race number one on Monday night, finished dead last on Tuesday night. Tyler Courtney picked up the victory in the A feature. Race number two on Tuesday night, Corey Day in second place. Brad Sweet, who seemed to finish third place a lot this past week in dirt racing. But hey, third place is definitely better than last. Sweet, very consistent. Also pouring some of his own money into owning the High Limit Racing Series with Kyle Larson in just, a, or just in the off season. And then finally, out of the four big races this past week, the ASA Stars National Tour competed at New Sperna Speedway on Tuesday for the Clyde Hart Memorial 200, its season opener, and Bubba Pollard was the winner. It was Pollard's first win ever in the Clyde Hart Memorial. He took the lead on lap 183 from Ty Majeski, distanced himself from the field to pick up the win in that season opener. Unfortunately for Majeski, though, strong showing to start his national tour title defense went away shortly after he lost the lead. It's a mechanical issue. Relegated the man driving the number 91 to a 16th place finish. Casey Roderick, who won the season opener a year ago for the ASA Stars Tour at Five Flag Speedway once again started the campaign with a podium finish by crossing the line in third, your official top five of the Clyde Hart Memorial 200. And Bubba Pollard was your winner. Jet Noland was the runner-up. Strong showing for Noland. Casey Roderick settles for third. Brent Cruz in fourth. And Gio Ruggiero, also a champion in the ASA Stars Tour a year ago, finishes out the first race of the season with a top five. That'll do it for Flag to Flag. We'll take a quick break here on Speed Zone, and when we return, it'll be the best segment of the show, What's Up This Week, where I get to tell you what the heck is up this week in the world of racing schedule-wise. Make sure you set your schedule straight for this upcoming week and weekend for Daytona Week. Stay tuned. More up next here on Speed Zone.
We are war veterans. And firefighters. Mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters. And kids at play. Each of us has experienced unimaginable pain, had countless surgeries and skin grafts. And emerged stronger. We are burn survivors. If you're one of us, please know you're not alone. There's an army of friends waiting to help you recover, renew, and return. Please support the Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors and help someone rise again. Visit phoenix-society.org for more information. What's up this week? And what is up this week? Well, a lot going on in the state of Florida, not necessarily in the greater world internationally just yet. When it comes to motorsports, going to have to wait a couple weeks there. But lots of racing going on in the United States this week and weekend. All in the state of Florida, split between the Daytona Speed Week for NASCAR and then also the World Series of Asphalt at New Smyrna Speedway, also in Florida. So, uh, we'll start with Wednesday. Tonight, there's stuff going on tonight. That's right, obviously we discussed it, or we will be discussing it later on in the show, of uh, everything that's going on in qualifying tonight for the NASCAR Cup Series. As for the Daytona 500, that's right, qualifying is tonight, 8.15 p.m., It'll be on Fox Sports 1 if you want to tune in to that. Also on the Motor Racing Network, if you want to listen to it on radio, there will be coverage of Daytona 500 qualifying, obviously. But it will be 42 cars going for 40 spots. Two cars that are open cars will be locked in tonight, so it'll leave just two more cars to race in on Thursday night. But we'll get to that. There's also racing tonight at New Smyrna, obviously still in the World Series of Asphalt. Uh, as tonight, it will be the John Blewett III Memorial. That starts a little earlier than the Cup or, or the cup qualifying at 7.30 p.m. That'll be on Flow Racing. It'll be night six of racing at the World Series of Asphalt. Now we'll move on to Thursday night, where it'll be night seven of racing for the World Series of Asphalt. If you want to tune into that, also on Flow Racing, just for future reference, all of the racing at the World Series of Asphalt Asphalt will be on flow if you want to tune in. And every single night, it starts at 7.30. But night 7, again, Thursday, begins at 7.30 p.m. at New Smyrna. And then also for NASCAR, as a busy Thursday, where in the Arkham Menard series, it kicks off everything, no coverage of it, but practice at Daytona at 4.05 in the afternoon. And then an hour later, practice for the Craftsman Truck Series that will be on Fox Sports 1 for that again at 5.05 in the afternoon, and that'll be kicking off the Craftsman Truck Series season. And then later on that evening for the NASCAR Cup Series will be the Blue-Green Vacation Duels, uh, beginning at 7 p.m. for duel number one. That'll be 60 laps. And then whenever that first duel ends, at least the scheduled beginning of duel number two, will be at 8.45 p.m. Both of those races on the Motor Racing Network, if you want to listen in through the radio, and then also on Fox Sports 1 on the television. So, obviously, a lot of racing on Thursday night, but we'll keep on chugging. Now on to Friday. We're at New Smyrna. It will be night 8 of racing, and we got two big races. Again, both starting, or at least the night starting at 7.30 p.m. The Richie Evans Memorial, which will be racing modified tour style cars, which is similar to the, uh, the Whelan modified tour for NASCAR. Those style of cars will be racing in the Richie Evans Memorial race, and also the Heart to Heart 100. Both those races going on in night 
8 of the World Series of Asphalt, again on Friday. And then also Friday on the NASCAR side of things at Daytona, we'll have ARCA Menard Series qualifying at 1.30 p.m. There's no coverage of that, so you'd have to pay attention to that through social media. But lots of cars, big field this year for ARCA. There will be cars going home. So if you want to pay attention to who will make it and who will not, you're going to have to watch and pay attention through social media for that. Also through the ARCA Menard Series website. And then qualifying for the Craftsman Truck Series after that at 3 p.m. That'll be on the Motor Racing Network and Fox Sports 1. Uh, again, that starts at 3 p.m. for the Craftsman Truck Series. Trucks will be going home. So, And then after that, the Xfinity Series will have its first practice of the year. It'll also be on MRN and FS1 at 4.35 in the afternoon on Friday. That'll kick off the Xfinity Series season. And also for the NASCAR Cup Series, all the cars that survive the duels and the two cars that go home, they'll act, they will leave the track late Thursday night. The 40 cars that will remain will get their first practice of the season for the Cup Series. Might seem a little crazy that there's no practice before qualifying at all, but I guess it's just factored into the ex- the excitement factor that NASCAR is trying to bring, just trying to throw everything at the teams to uh, provide a more exciting product, I presume. But again, the first practice of the year for the NASCAR Cup Series, again, will be at 5.35 Friday afternoon, also on MRN and FS1. And then finally on Friday night, uh, the big show at Daytona will be the Craftsman Truck Series season opener. The Fresh from Florida 250, that'll be 100 laps at Daytona International Speedway. The green flag for that race, or at least coverage, will begin at 7.30 p.m. on MRN and Fox Sports 1. Whoever survives qualifying earlier in the day for the Craftsman Truck Series will be racing that night. Lots of new faces and new places. It'll certainly be an interesting race. Then fast forward to Saturday, the final night of the World Series of Asphalt at New Smyrna. Night number nine will host the Orange Blossom 100, the biggest race of the week, uh, more than a week, really, at the World Series of Asphalt, the Orange Blossom 100, as the Heart to Heart 100 the night before will be racing pro-late models. Super late models are racing in the Orange Blossom 100. And last year in that race, again, it was William Sawalich winning that race in the Orange Blossom 100. And this year, we'll try and recapture that. As again, that'll be happening Saturday, night 9. That'll be starting at 7.30 p.m. But also on Saturday, on the NASCAR side of things at Daytona, we'll have another Cup Series practice for the Daytona 500 way early in the morning at 10.30 a.m. It'll be bright and early on MRN and FS1. And then the Xfinity Series will have its qualifying session. There will be plenty of cars going home, 44 cars for 38 spots. So there will be six DNQs for that race, arguably the biggest list of DNQs probably all year long. Some broken hearts and some drivers and teams not going to be racing in the race, but can make the race through the qualifying session. It'll be 11.30 a.m. on Saturday. Again, MRN and FS1 covering that for the Xfinity Series. And then later on that afternoon, early afternoon rather, 1.30 p.m. will be the Arca Menard Series, the Arca 200. One of, if not the biggest race of the year for 
the Arkham Menard Series. Last year, it was Greg Van Alst in a thrilling victory in one of the best plate races in years for Arca. Going to stack field yet again this year. Greg Van Alst is back to try and defend his title as the winner of the Arca 200. And it will be an exciting show again at 1.30 p.m. for the Arkham Menard Series on Saturday. MRN and FS1 also covering those races. And then later on that afternoon at 5 p.m., going to go into the night racing underneath the lights, the United Rentals 300 for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Again, that'll be at 5 p.m., 120 laps for the Xfinity Series around the high banks of Daytona International Speedway. Who will capture the first win of the year in the Xfinity Series, the place where names are made? That'll be on the Motor Racing Network and Fox Sports 1 if you want to tune in. Also going on that night, mentioned before the World World Series of Asphalt for night number 9, the Orange Blossom 100. So a night stacked of racing. If you got two TV screens, you'll be watching the Orange Blossom 100 on one and the United Rentals 300 on the other. You just stay glued, stay in the recliner all day long. Don't feel bad about it. Racing is back. And then finally, Sunday, the big show, Daytona 500 day. 200 laps around Daytona International Speedway and somebody, some lucky driver and team will get to capture the Harley J. Earl Trophy potentially for the first time or maybe the second time or the umpteenth time. Who knows? Denny Hamlin is racing. And that race obviously will be at 2.30 p.m. on Sunday. DJ Khaled will be waving the green flag and The Rock will be giving the command for the Daytona 500. Again, that'll be 2.30 p.m. Coverage begins on on Fox and also the Motor Racing Network covering that race uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series Daytona International Speedway, the Daytona 500, capping off this exciting week and weekend in racing the biggest race of the year for the NASCAR Cup Series. Make sure you don't miss it. Again, 2.30 p.m. Tune in on Sunday. Get the fans, get the Get your family over, get your friends over, get everybody watching the Daytona 500. It's going to be a thriller this year per usual. That'll do it for the What's Up This Week segment. We'll take a quick break here on Speed Zone, and when we return, we'll be the Racing Roundtable segment where we will discuss qualifying upcoming tonight, the Fandango and situation with the 44 machine for NY Racing, uh, which... We recorded this segment a little before the news today that J.J. Yaley will be piloting the 44 car, but we discussed the entire situation involved and then also the entry list for all the events and then what we think is going to happen in the Daytona 500, the duels, and everything in between. Stay tuned. More up next here on Speed Zone. was your hero when you were a kid? Neil Armstrong or Louis Armstrong? Roberto Clemente or Walter Cronkite? Rosa Parks or Sally Ride? You're the right age to do something you can be remembered for. Register to become an organ and tissue donor. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s or beyond, any age is the right age to donate the gift of life. Learn how at organdonor.gov or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. If you don't want to listen, get your earplugs ready, because we're about to hear some high-octane debate. It's time for the Racing Roundtable, with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Whew, now that that's over, who's at the table today? 
And who's at the table this week should be no surprise. Dale Garrett, Sean Kelly back again on the show. Thanks for being on Speed Zone yet again, guys. It's always great to be on. It is always great to be on. It's Daytona week here in the world of NASCAR. So we've got plenty to discuss for Daytona Speed Week. We have the Craftsman Truck Series. We have the Xfinity Series. We have the Cup Series and also the Arkham Menard Series all racing at Daytona this week. But we'll focus on the Craftsman Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series here with the first topic. So the entry lists to all those races were released earlier this week, and obviously some ex plenty of expected entries across everybody who is showing up, but also some surprises. Uh, I posed to the panel what stood out of all out of everybody on the entry list. What stood out and who stood out to you? Dale, start with you. I think if I speak for everybody when we did not expect the NY Racing 44 to show up to Daytona, certainly after some uh, social media controversy regarding Greg Biffle saying he is not going to be the driver of that car. Um, certainly interesting, you know, they who knows what's going on? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And, um, you know, for, for trucks, you got the, the, the newly formed Floridian Motorsports, which sounds like a NASCAR Thunder 2004 team name, but that's besides the point. Best of luck to Mason Maggio in the number 21 entry. And for Xfinity, you got Daniel Suarez in the um, Wendy's 14. Chevrolet in the 14 car, which is under SS Greenlight, but it's not an SS Greenlight car. And it's a colleague car. Yeah. In disguise. Mm-hmm. Sean, any thoughts for you? I mean, honestly, the, the the one that really stuck out to me obviously was the free uh, the uh, free driver at NY Racing. There being uh, nothing there, just a couple of days before everything starts up. Uh, the same thing with the uh, empty entry in the Colleg '97 car in Xfinity. In terms of trucks, there really wasn't anything that would that really stood out to me in terms of the drivers in in that race, uh, other than the new team. Nothing really too surprising, but yeah. Well, that '97 in Xfinity, that's going to be Van Gisbergen. It's like that's just yeah. I don't know why it's still a TBA. Yeah. But it's like it. it I, I guess it's more of a. a an uh, error. Yeah. That's just uh, just an oversight, but that will be Van Gisbergen in that car for the Xfinity series. I completely agree uh, with obviously the 44 car showing up for Daytona on the Cup Series side. For anybody that does not know, look into the saga of NY Racing. It's fascinating. It has a fascinating history. Uh, as Dale mentioned, uh, X or Team Extreme is what it used to be called with its owner, John Cohen. And that team has had its ups and downs in Cup Series competition. It's been all over the place, whether it's paying people or not paying people. Uh, Greg Biffle insinuated this week that he was not paid for the races that he ran in the 44 car two years ago when the next-gen enter the Cup Series. It was a new generation of the car. NY Racing had a car. It showed up to the Daytona 500 and made the race with Greg Biffle driving and then proceeded to run more races past that point. Uh, you know, it ran a short track race or two. Also, Las Vegas, I'm pretty sure. And then some of the plate track races up until, I believe, spring Talladega mm -hmm. of 2022. And then the team just disappeared, which is very fitting of that team where it kind of has its ebbs and flows where it shows up and then just 
goes away. <laughs> and obviously the 44 showed up to Daytona this week. It was on the entry list. Bob Pockris had mentioned, a reporter for NASCAR on Fox, had been, re- had been reporting really all season long, or all off-season long, that there was a possibility the 44 was going to show up to Daytona. And this is a car, again, that hadn't shown up in nearly two years. So people are naturally raising an eyebrow a little bit, wondering, okay, is this car actually going to show up, or is this this is this just a PR stunt yet again? And lo and behold... The hauler is there. It looks beautiful. Uh, it is one of the best paint jobs I've ever seen on a hauler. But what matters is within the hauler. <laughs> is there a car in there? Is there a driver? Right now, there's not. It's There's no driver. And qualifying is tonight for the Daytona 500. Obviously, this is a team that is having to pull things together. And if somebody's going to get into that car and strap into it for Daytona 500 qualifying, it's going to have to come together fairly quickly. It will be. And, I I mean, the popular opinion seems to be J.J. Yaley, as he's really had history with NY Racing. He's raced in multiple years and multiple cars with... Back when it was Team Extreme. Yeah, yeah. And I I would probably say if it was anyone, probably him. Although, the uh, in my heart, I I, I wanted to believe that Carl Edwards would get the inch again and and return or something like that, something fun like that. But in all reality, it'll probably just be J.J. Ailey or someone who has history with that team already. Bill, who are you thinking? I think that this is a bold strategy, and they could just take the highest bidder out of who shows up at Speed Week. That's fair. Um, I I wouldn't recommend it, and I don't think NASCAR would recommend it either. Um, So it'll be certainly interesting to see. We could see somebody like Joe Graff or something try to race his way into the Daytona 500, which would be entertaining in its own right, but... I don't think this is necess- was necessarily their plan because Greg Biffle's name was attached to the hauler, which has since been duct taped over <laughs> in a funny turn of events. Yeah, Greg Biffle said on a public statement on Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it, said, I'm not racing at Daytona, especially with the 44 car. I haven't, you know, my services were not compensated, you know, two years ago. So I, I'm my name is on the hauler. I'm not driving it. And then literally within about 12 to 14 hours of making that statement, the NY Racing Hauler shows up to Daytona, and people had noticed that obviously Biffle's name was on the hauler before, and now a big black strip of duct tape over Biffle's name on the side of the hauler. So, you know, a little bit of quick work to make things right, but obviously... Biffle's not driving the car. I think Yaley would be a good pick because he's raced cars into the Daytona 500 before. He has plenty of plate racing experience. Also, selling to the highest bidder. That's a fascinating thing. I think it is unfortunate for a guy uh, such as Frankie Muniz, who he's now so closely tied with Ford that he would not be able to step into the 44 car unless he got Ford's blessing. You know, But that would be, in my opinion, I think that would be the coolest option here, is that Frankie Muniz somehow ends up in a Daytona 500 entry for the race, like the day of. Hey, we're going to throw you in there and then see what happens. Uh Based off of the usual cast of characters, I guess, around NY Racing, I think Yaley would be able to fit in. He will be there because he's racing the uh, Xfinity Series race for SS Greenlight. Uh, I would pay attention, obviously, to guys in the back half of the garage 
in the Xfinity series, and hell, yeah, maybe even some guys on the truck series side. Uh, obviously, Norm Benning did not secure the ride for Daytona that he was going for, which would have been with Henderson Motorsports, but uh, it was announced today, or it was announced that he will be driving a race, and that truck will cover that on a later topic. But, if, you know, if Norm's hanging around, I think that'd be awesome. Another guy I'd pay attention to, especially if it depends on the motor in the car uh, much like uh, days of thunder you know <laughs> that's my motor in that car push you know if that's an ecr motor in that car yeah, i could see ty dillon driving that if it's a one-off i mean ty dillon knows how to, he has been racing in the cup series the last two years he knows how to race these cars into the field and at least close to it he's experienced a, he's a Chevy guy. I could see him stepping behind the wheel of that car if given the opportunity. Uh, obviously, it just would depend if it is a true ECR motor in that car or what have you, what could possibly happen. I don't know. I'm, I'm just hoping that it's somebody experienced and, and it's not just a, somebody, a pay driver that is grossly underskilled when it comes to the cup level where it's somebody whose inexperience is going to automatically you know the car will not qualify on time it will not race in in the duels you know you get like a like a tommy regan that shows up out of nowhere you know <laughs> like sonoma in 20 was it 16 or 17 something like that he was just like a, a guy who had only driven like one start and park race for like a truck series and all of a sudden shows up has enough money to buy out a cup car for a road course race um but there, there's a lot of options that NY Racing could go with here, and that's what makes it such a compelling story, where who knows who's going to pilot that car? It's got to find somebody before qualifying, because that 44 does not have a driver for qualifying, and it does not turn a lap in qualifying. This isn't the days of old. With how Speed Week is set up at Daytona, that 44 does not run a lap in qualifying. It does not compete in the duel. To drive the car all the way down there, have the hauler, who knows if there's even a team or a crew, but to have everything going down there and you don't have a driver and you just can't turn a lap because of it, especially when it's arguably the most entries of, of any race all year long and you still can't find anybody, it will be fascinating if that 44 car will even attempt the race or if it'll be another BK racing situation from a couple years ago where that was a epic saga of is it going to show up is it not and then it shows up blank white car didn't even have any decals on it they throw Gray Galding in the car because he's like around he does it for free and then uh, the car ends up you know racing because it was it had a charter mm -hmm. and NY Racing does not have a charter it has to race its way into the field that out of any entry across the three entry list here for all three of the big series I guess participating that's the car I'm paying attention to off the entry list other entries I'm paying attention to uh, obviously in the cup side everybody that's an open entry I think and or an extra uh, I am fascinated that one that is not on the list who honestly could also fit in the 44 like a glove would be Austin Hill I mean, he's the best plate racer in the Xfinity series. He's another RCR guy. If there's an ECR motor in there and it's not Ty Dillon, I could see Austin Hill maybe stepping in there if, if need be. Um, it just depends. 
but Austin Hill not being on the entry list for the 500, despite being the best plate racer and the most successful plate racer of the past two to three years in the Xfinity Series, I think it's fascinating that he's not on the 500 entry list as he was a year ago. It's Anthony Alfredo in the 62 car this year, and Hill is not going to be at least racing to try and make the race. Also, uh, paying attention to the 78 of B.J. McLeod, where I think it's funny that they put him down on the entry list as B.J. McLeod Jr. <laughs> it's his son. His no, son's coming to race. It's B.J. McLeod, and Live Fast Motorsports notably sold its charter in the offseason, uh, and it will not be a full-time ride this year. So B.J. is just taking that car to Daytona and seeing what they can do with it. It's the most, it was the biggest underdog <laughs> to make the field until the NY Racing 44 showed up. Mm -hmm. But even with that, I don't know if it has the motor. The NY Racing car might have a motor. I, I don't know if the 78 will have the motor, but that car, B.J. is a great plate racer. Can it make the race? Yeah, I mean, he has raced the back when he was with Live Fast a couple of years ago. And finished twenty third in twenty twenty one with you know twenty twenty seventh. So he's he's finished moderately moderately well considering you know the the car he was in. So I, I can certainly see it happening with the history that he has at Daytona and just play racing in general, as you mentioned. It's called don't crash. <laughs> but no. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, that we talk about the 44 showing up and uh, B.J. McLeod Jr. showing up as well. <laughs> um, but the 78 on the sponsor column does not have a sponsor listed, and the 44 does. The 44 has 100 coconut water, whatever that is, on board the 44, um, and the 78 has, has nothing, which, you know, is a, I don't want to say coveted ride, but it, it's a ride that has shown up to races regularly. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that's interesting. Uh, I, I'm also paying attention Obviously, Jimmy Johnson is running as an open car. He's back for the first time uh, since the tragedy last year with his family and now is running a new slate of races here. Creed is sponsoring the car with Carvana. I have not a clue how Carvana is still affording to sponsor a car, much less uh, Creed. And we're not talking Sheldon Creed. It's the band Creed. I mean, Creed's gotten a little bit of resurgence with their <laughs> Rangers tie-in and that, that video with the Cowboys, you know, being popular again. If anybody, if anybody flips, I think it'd be really funny if it was the '84 car, because you know what song is going to play? Yeah, montage of it, you know, doing a pirouette through the air. Can you take me? <laughs> I was not going to do the impression. I was, not, I was not going to subject our listeners to that. Um, I do honestly think that I I like what Legacy has done over the off season. So I th I think that Jimmy Johnson will. Uh, I'm I'm I still don't have high expectations for how he will do, but I, I think he'll do better than people may expect in in Daytona. I will say that. I won't give uh, an exact prediction of where he'll finish or whatever, but I, I think he'll do better than expected, at least, with the improvements that Legacy's made. He's one of the six open cars attempting this year's Daytona 500, and those six open cars are as follows. You have... Uh, obviously, the 84 of Jimmy Johnson, the 78 of B.J. McLeod, and then you have the 62 of Anthony Alfredo. The 60 car of David Reagan, the third car for RFK Racing, which that is really cool. I mean, David Reagan, he's been out of the seat for a couple of years, but 
that's starting up essentially RFK Racing's own version of the Project 91 for Trackhouse. Uh, but he's also running as an open car. Uh, the NY Racing 44 is running. And then Kaz Grala and the third entry for Front Row Motorsports in the 36 uh, is running that car. Usually is going to be running the 15 car for Rick Ware this year. But that chartered car for Rick Ware has Riley Herbst in it for the 500, which is, in my opinion, that's a great pick because he mm. was great. He was tremendous at the plate races last year in the Cup Series. I think he, honestly, could be a dark horse. Who knows who can win this race? But Kaz Grala has shown that he can get the deal done in plate races in the Cup Series in the past against 44 cars, still a question mark. David Reagan was one restart away from winning a Daytona, Daytona 500 and has won at plate races before, kind of known as a plate racing ace. Anthony Alfredo is always intriguing. Obviously, he ran that full season in Cup a couple years ago and is now back. What can he do or can't he do in the 62 to try and make the race? BJ McLeod, the ultimate underdog, and then also Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion. So there's a lot of interesting entries, at least for the Daytona 500. Uh, for the Xfinity Series race, it is going to be a bloodbath in qualifying 44 cars for 38 spots. There's going to be six cars going home, and it's going to be rough uh, for anybody that, especially if it rains, because it is supposed to, unfortunately, be a bit of a rainy weekend at Daytona. Don't you say weekend. that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if we get, get cars on track and rolling. Vortex Theory. Vortex Theory. <laughs> Daryl Waltrip. Thank you. The entry list for the Xfinity Series, again, 44 cars, a lot of cars going in that race. Uh, again, six going home. That is brutal. That's more than any other race this entire year for the Xfinity Series. Uh, there will be some small teams and or surprises going home if it does rain. I mean, if it rains, there will be a college car going home at least uh, with the overextension that it is doing for Daytona to field all these cars. Uh, the... 45 for Alpha Prime would be going home. Uh, same with the 74. Stanton Barrett, the stuntman, he's back for Mike Harmon. That's a fun entry. Isn't he like 65? No, no. He's in his 40s, I think. 40s no, or 50s. he's older. He's been around a while. He has been around a while. I think he's in his like 51. Okay. That's 50, crazy. 51. Because he was running, he was attempting cup races in like the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. He was probably younger than us and running. He's a stuntman. What is he going? Yeah, what else he's is he a stuntman. Timeless. <laughs> uh, but there will be a lot of new faces and new places in the Xfinity Series side, which will be interesting to watch unfold on Saturday. Or and then obviously. Uh, Frankie Muniz, we mentioned him before. He's going to be attempting his first ever Xfinity Series race in the 35 for Joey Gase Motorsports. Whether that car as a owner's points, it's should be locked into the show but he could fall out if things go wrong who knows but I guess we'll make it a new topic what do you guys think of frankie muniz running the xfinity race how do you think he's going to do how do you think he'll fare in the xfinity race on saturday sean we'll start with you i'm more interested than uh than i do have like any sort of high expectations for how Munez will do. Uh, the car he's running in with Joey Gase Motorsports hasn't had the, the best uh, history in 
position-wise. I mean, he surprised people in ARCA last year with how he finished at Daytona, but I, I don't think he's going to do the same this year. I think he'll do okay. I don't think he's going to do terrible or, or anything. I think we'll run mid-pack, but uh, with the history that uh, Joey Gase Motorsports has and being a little shaky position-wise. It's a smaller team. It's a smaller team. I'd, I'd, I don't have high expectations for him. Yeah, with with Muniz impressing in ARCA last season, two totally different animals, ARCA and Xfinity. Cars behave a lot different. Drivers behave a lot different. It's a world of a difference from ARCA to even Xfinity. Yes. So will I think he will do horrendous? No. I think he'll do all right. I don't think he'll be in the lead pack, per se. I think he'll be toward the bottom of the leaderboard. But he could he could surprise. I don't know. I just hope his, you know, his head doesn't get too big and tries to go and take the lead on lap 20 and junks the field or anything like that. I don't think he's necessarily going to do that. But I don't, I don't, he's not the worst entry on this list. <laughs> you know, I think if he keeps the car clean, he'll finish near the middle. Okay. I think, yeah, I, I think he'll be... As surprising as his car will allow him to do, I'll say that. My joke went under the radar. I'm in, I'm impressed. Oh, ha ha, Mr. <laughs> funny Man. Ben's got I'm jokes. So, I'm really a funny. Joke. Yeah. I know. That's pure comedy right there, baby. I wasn't going. I wasn't going to go there. It was, it was too. <laughs> I was going to be that guy's cherry picking Malcolm. In the I was. Middle, I was. Of course. <laughs> if if you were going to ask a direct question of like how do you think he would do well, I was going to pull the yes, no, maybe, I don't know. Yes, no, from, maybe so. I don't know. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> You're not the boss of me now. I think it's. I, I don't know. I, I hope that he does well. I don't know if that car is going to have the motor in it. Sure, it's a Joey Gase uh, Motorsports car. But at the same time, Ford is plastered all over that car. He's got, you know, Ford support. So I'm presuming that that motor will probably be solid. So mm. who knows? But it's going to be a rough. It's going to. It's going to be a rough qualifying session for quite a few Xfinity teams, especially if there's a threat of rain. Uh, take me back to July Daytona qualifying for the Cup Series back in like the mid 2000s. Boris said it was the fastest car. He set the pole time, but qualifying did not finish because it started raining with about five cars or five cars. Yeah, five cars left. In the qualifying order, Boris said was an open car, did not have the owner's points to make it. He would have made the race if he won the pole, but with the rain coming, it can come at any time in, in southern Florida. And uh, obviously, he got hung out to dry. He didn't make the race, despite having the fastest car there. So uh, anything can happen. Anything can happen in qualifying. You know, Cars that might not deserve to get in could get in slower, faster. It just matters if you have the speed in the qualifying session. Then obviously in the truck race, uh, which is going to be, it's 38 entries for the trucks. Uh, lots of new faces, new places. I am so excited for Lane Riggs in the 38 truck. Uh, that is a truck that knows how to win at places like this. It's front row motorsports. It, it, if there is a style of track, that team knows how to conquer its plate racing tracks. And St. Smith did it in the 38 truck at Daytona. He was able to win. Obviously, front row has won a Daytona 500 with Michael McDowell. It's run, it's, it has won plate races at Talladega. It knows how to win races. And obviously, I 
Lane Riggs being an outright rookie in the truck series this year, I'm really intrigued to see how he does. Uh, and then at the same time, uh, you have that Tad Moffitt, a uh, relative of Richard Petty, driving the 46 car, uh, truck, excuse me. Raja Carruth, full-time in the 71. He finally landed a ride. Matt Crafton, also going to be running. Nick Sanchez, also there. Will they tangle yet again? Uh, I guess we'll have to find out. Mason Maggio, you mentioned Floridian Motorsports. That's a cool little team. I hope mm-hmm. it's able to make the race. It's uh, funded by a guy. Uh, his name escapes me. I think he has the last name of Austin, and I thought it was Joel, but <laughs> <laughs> it was not. Um, it's some guy that runs, uh, he's a Ace Hardware franchisee in Florida, and he was able to put together this deal and get a Toyota Tundra, and they're going to go attempt the race. I think that's cool. He's a Floridian. Keith McGee, all the way from Alaska, is here uh, racing for Rayum Brothers Racing, um, and see if he can make the race. Rayum Brothers Racing, I guess, this offseason, it, it should be notable yet again in that it uh, it purchased basically the majority of stuff from Hattori. Hattori Racing went belly up, at least for the mm-hmm. most part. It'll be down to a part-time schedule. This is a team that won a truck championship a couple years ago, and now it's it was two trucks last year for about the majority of the schedule and now it's not even racing at Daytona it's how quickly things can change uh, here in the world of NASCAR Ty Dillon I think in that Rackley WAR 25 truck should also be a solid underdog for this race I think him going to the truck series that's the right decision for his career I think it's the best path where he can be competitive and I, he's a good plate racer. I mm-hmm. think people forget that he can get the job done. And I think Dylan, if he keeps that truck clean, I think he'll be up there competing for a win and could surprise some people right off the bat. And then also for CR7 Motorsports, Cody Robaugh running the race. Uh, and they were able to nab Grant Enfinger this year, too. He Grant uh, Enfinger ran some races for that team a couple of years ago. And obviously, Enfinger... Incredibly impressive. Almost won a truck championship last year. He's come so close so many times. And now is going to this smaller team uh, run by Cody Robaugh, West Virginia native. Mm-hmm. And Robaugh is going to be running the race. And the last time Robaugh ran it, and he finished, what, top three? Mm-hmm. He's had every time he runs this race and is able to make the field, he's just able to run up front at the end and be there. So I think that'll be a fun little two-truck two tango to see if anything can happen there. But again, 38 trucks. Uh, there's going to be some missing the race. Uh, it's a shame that Norm Benning didn't get his deal done for Daytona. But hey, he'll be racing at Talladega in some good equipment. Uh, in the uh, Stephen Parsons is going to be instead racing the 75 for Henderson Motorsports at Daytona. That's another truck to pay attention to. Also fascinating that Parker Kligerman's not in that ride, but mm. he's racing the Xfinity Series. So Something that you did not mention, Ben, is that Corey LaJoy is in the seven, and he dominated this race last year before the rain came. I mean, yes. he led like 30 laps or something, mm-hmm. and they only ran like 75 mm-hmm. or something. I think he'll be he'll be up there for sure. I, he's my pick to win, to be honest with you. He'll have... Uh is he sponsored by Chili's? And no, nope. he's not sponsored nope. by Chili's in the truck race. But <laughs> he's sponsored by Chili's in the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. I just took one look at that scheme, and I'm like, that thing is going to get wadded up with about 18 laps to go. That's generous. Going <laughs> <laughs> to last that long? <laughs> oh, maybe it'll get some TV time for the QR codes on the. <laughs> okay, the QR codes <laughs> are on the, on the car. It makes this makes zero sense. Why would you put small QR? I mean, if it took up the whole hood, I might understand, but you're putting small quarter panel size QR codes on the car that's going to be going 
200 miles an hour around Daytona. I was saying before the show, they're going to have to run like they did in Talladega Nights, where it's just like 10 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. around the track for them to even see it. 26 miles an hour. Yeah. It yep. But it, I don't I don't think that uh, the Chili's executives are familiar with the camera work for TV at Daytona, because rarely are we ever focused in on one car unless it has crashed, <laughs> for the most part, anyways. I, I also like seeing uh, Corey Roper back. Where mm-hmm. Remember when Corey Roper almost won this race a couple years ago? He should have won that and race. He should have won that race. Ago. He just made the bad block on the final mm-hmm. lap, and he, just, he went to the high side when he should have gone low. Mm-hmm. And he'll have, hopefully, a little bit of redemption. Uh, Tony Breidinger going to be running the race for Tricon Garage, and also a big shout-out. FDNY Racing, that's back mm-hmm. with uh, Brian Doe. The 28 truck, that team has been around since quite literally the inception of the truck series. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool tradition that uh, Jim Rosenblum, who owns that team, continues to bring that out uh, for at least one or two races a year. Uh, Daytona being one of them. If that truck is able to make the field, I mean, obviously it is not full time, but if it has the speed to make the field, I think that'd be really cool to see mm-hmm. uh, the fire truck painted uh, 28 truck out mm-hmm. there running with Doza, who's always been a very solid plate racer in the Arca series. But uh, obviously, uh, some stacked lineups for the truck series race, the Xfinity series race, and, and also the Cup series race. Uh, there's going to be a lot going on. So we'll move on to the next topic. Mentioned it in the Truck Series segment of that discussion, but Norm Benning, who is his entire career been very much the underdog, stole the show at Eldora in 2013, where he was able to race his 75 truck into the field and beat Clay Greenfield and really make the Mud Summer Classic a show. Uh, Norm has never run. He's always been the underdog his entire career. He's never had the money to run with the big dogs that have the equipment of the big teams. He's always been a, a bit of a privateer, runs things his own way. But in that sense, he just does not have the motor, doesn't have the equipment to run up front. Now, a deal is reached. It was not able to be reached for the Daytona race, but for Talladega later on this season, Norm Benning, for the first time in his entire career, is finally going to be in race-winning equipment at Talladega. He'll be racing for Henderson Motorsports in the truck series. They're even changing the number of the truck to six for Norm. That's a team. Henderson Motorsports has been around since the 70s, the 80s. It's always run the 75, the same font. They are going out of their way to even change the font and the number to six for Norm. I think this is really cool. Want to hear your guys' thoughts on Norm finally getting some race ring race winning equipment that he might be able to be competitive in and he's in his 70s dale your thoughts mm-hmm. it's certainly a cool story um however I, you know with norm being in his 70s i mean you know teddy bear reference here but i don't think he's gonna light the world on fire even in race winning equipment he needs to be smart about it too having the shot of his career to just not go out there and get too ballsy with it but i, I don't know i wish him the best of luck and it'll certainly be fun to watch come Dega time. It is a great story to see him at 72 years old going out there for the first time in good equipment. And I mean, he has finished well in uh, his own equipment, uh, but granted, you know, 10 years ago at Talladega, but, you know, 15th, 12th, he's, he's had some top 20 finishes uh, in the truck series in his own equipment. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in good equipment, granted, at, you know, at his age, and we'll see what happens, but it'll be cool. Norm had a great interview this offseason. Stapleton72 is a a great YouTube channel. Uh, If you're a motorsports fan, I would highly recommend checking it out. But 
he sat down with Norm Benning and he went to his race shop and looked around. Norm showed him the lay of the land and talked to him for nearly an hour about his racing history and everything. And I mean, with Norm and guys like Norm Benning, and he's in his 70s, the struggle makes rides like this sweeter, where you go your entire career as the underdog and you're just, heck, a 15th place finishes a win for a guy like that. And Norm's entire career has just said, as he said in that interview, if I had the equipment, I'd be able to run with the best. And we saw a glimpse of that a year ago in Daytona week, in Speed Week. He showed up with uh, Glory to God Racing, the 46 truck, and put it fourth fastest in practice with one of the smallest teams in the field. And was so gracious in his uh, post-practice interview. And obviously, Norm himself, I think that reinvigorated him a little bit. I think he was kind of closing up on his racing career. He hadn't run. It was kind of ending some of his privateer truck races that he was running for his own team. And all of a sudden, Norm goes out there, does that, and kind of opens some eyes. People are like, whoa, that's Norm Benning. Look at him. Wow. And obviously, Norm getting this good truck that has won races. I mean, Parker Kligerman won a race at Talladega with this team in the last five years. And is in contention every time. And is in contention every time he runs a race with Henderson Motorsports. This is a good team that knows what it's doing. And Norm is going to get the shot of a lifetime. It takes me all the way back to the late 2000s when Mike Wallace stepped in the 33 truck at Talladega. He was not supposed to run that race. And then yet he had to step in as a late sub, kind of an older guy, didn't really have much going on at that time. And him winning that race breathed about five more years of life in his career. He got the ride with JD Motorsports on the Xfinity side, or at the time Nationwide side, and then was full-time there for the next couple seasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, because of that truck win... I get Norm's in his 70s, and no, he's not going to get offered the Hendrick Motorsports 48 if he wins, but I think it would be really cool if Norm is going, is he can go out there and, heck, even get a top 10. I think if Norm can prove to be competitive, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe a few more of these rides get tossed his way, even in his, you know, older age, if he can still prove that he can go out there and run with decent equipment at the front, or at least up front and finish there, I would not be shocked. I think Norm would be more than deserving to get a, a few more of these rides thrown his way. But uh, obviously, I hope the best for Norm in that ride. So many years of financial struggle and just trying to push through as a privateer. And finally, he gets that one shot, the one opportunity to see what he can do in racing, at ra in race winning equipment at a track where he can make something happen. And we'll move on to the next topic. As again, we'll go back to the Daytona 500 this week as we're nearing the back half of the show here. A uh, couple topics here as we'll go over focusing solely, really, on the Daytona 500 here. So, when it comes to the 500, qualifying is tonight. Who is going to win the poll for this race? Will it be Hendrick yet again? Or could it be Ford or Toyota with the new bodies and aero packages? Who are you guys thinking, Sean? I'll start with you. I think Toyota contends, 
but I, I'm going with, I mean, pretty easy pick, but Alex Bowman. He's been top two in, in qualifying the starting lineup in the last three Daytona 500s. I mean, we talked about the Hendrick Chevys possibly having a little bit of a setback here with this new package, but nonetheless, I, you know, a pattern's a pattern. I, I, I'm still going with Alex Bowman for the poll. I'll be different and not boring. I think that the Fords with the Dark Horse come out and um, light it up. Uh, I think that um, RFK especially and Brad Keselowski will capture the pole and just inject an enormous amount of momentum into his veins going into the race. I am going to have to go with Chevy. I, I'm going to play it safe because Chevy has historically dominated the pole win. And although I said last episode that I think Ford is going to be a lot better this year with the new aero package, and I really would not be surprised if if it's Keselowski or one of the three RFK racing cars that is attempting this race. Uh, I. Uh, it really should be no problem that David Reagan will qualify in on time, uh, but we'll get to that in the next question. But who's going to win the poll? I'm going to go with a Hendrick Motorsports car. It's, it always brings the fastest cars for a reason. And if it's not Alex Bowman, it'll be Kyle Larson, William Byron, or even Chase Elliott. That's my pick for the polls. I think Chase Elliott gets the poll after having a terrible year last year. I think Hendrick knows that he's got to start the year off right. That team's got to start off on a good foot to start things off in 2024. I think Chase Elliott wins the poll for the Daytona 500. Solid. It's not a bad pick. I think he's going to have a resurgence this year. I don't know about Daytona for certain, but I think this year it's certainly going to be a step back to normal. All right. So now on to the next part of this topic. Obviously mentioned earlier in the show that on the entry list for the Daytona 500, six cars going for four spots. Two cars are going to be going home here for the Daytona 500 that are attempting. Out of the six cars that are running the race as open cars, and if you don't watch NASCAR or are not familiar with the system that is in place, 36 cars have charters that essentially lock them into the field. Everybody else is a privateer and is going. It has to jockey for the final four positions to make the 40-car field for every single event. Daytona is one of those races every year where a couple of guys go home. That really does not happen most weekends. This is that one weekend where you're racing for glory. You're racing for a Daytona 500 trophy. You're throwing everything at that car to see if you can make it. You're going to have to race your way in through the duels. But six cars going for four spots. Guys, who are the four that get in and who are the two that are going home? Dale, we're going to start with you. I'll start it easier with the two going home. Um the 44 with the question mark driver, I just don't think the speed's there. I think they'll be bottom of the chart, but they've got the duels um, for sure. So uh, qualifying-wise and duel-wise, whoever they stick in there, I just don't think it's going to be strong enough to make the field unless uh, someone wrecks. And the second car I have is uh, B.J. McLeod Jr., who, you know, just... The 78 hasn't had the speed. It's never in the draft. Um, although somebody I could see crashing out of desperation is Alfredo. If he's in a situation, I think he can get over his head really quickly. The car is typically RCR prepped or has some hand in it. Has a lot of affiliation. Yeah, yeah. So that car is going to have speed to get in on time 
However, will it race on time, I guess? With my two, I mean, the easy pick here is the 44, considering that they don't even have a driver right now for that car. I mean, already not off to a good start. But uh, with the other one, I debated going with McLeod as well, but I'm going with Alfredo here because when I'm comparing McLeod to Alfredo, the fact that uh, McLeod has ran the way he has in the past couple of 500s, uh, that's what puts me over uh, over the edge with him compared to Alfredo, and, uh, and yeah, that's the factor with me. I feel like the McLeod is a guy who he is such a smart plate racer, and it's going to depend if that car has the speed to stay in the pack. And this mm-hmm. is a team that it's a shame that it had to sell its charter when it did, and obviously it has a lot more money now because it sold that charter off, but. It had been planning for years and years and years and years and years to save up so that it could buy top-tier motors. And with how the cars are set up nowadays, they're more equal now than ever in the Cup Series because it's a lot of spec stuff. I think if the 78 shows up with a good motor and BJ can hang with everybody in the lead pack, that car has is, is got a good chance as anybody to make the race. Uh, I, I think that 78 makes the race, in my opinion. Uh, I think Someone that we all expect to make the race is going to end up crashing out in the duels. It happens every year. Last year, uh, the 50 car of Mm -hmm. the money team racing, which is not racing the 500 this year, Connor Daly, the car didn't even make. It went out there and had the most broken qualifying lap ever because they didn't shake down the cars. There's no practice before qualifying, which in my opinion is stupid, but I digress. Uh, The 50 car had was the slowest car there in qualifying. And yet, Things went its way in the duel, and it made the race. So I think that Alfredo, probably out of everybody in that team, is going to struggle because even Austin Hill could not qualify that car in on time last year, and he missed the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the 44 car with all the question marks surrounding it, if it even makes a qualifying lap, uh, it, who knows? It will be driving that car uh, by the time the duel rolls around, if it's even racing in the duel. So I, my pick would be the 44 car to miss the field because, hell, I don't even know if there's a crew for that car. Who knows at this point? It's just a gigantic question mark. Uh, I, I'd say between missing the field, I'd say the 62 is kind of an obvious pick if things go clean and green in the duels. But I could see things getting a little dicey for Kaz Grala in the 36. He's an aggressive plate racer if he tries to bite off more than he can chew. Uh, obviously, it will be rough. Another thing that could massively play into this is if the 44 and the 62 or the 78, they could all be in the same duel. Mm-hmm. It could be a, a situation where you have like the 60, the 84, of Jimmy Johnson, 60 being David Reagan, and then also the 36 of Kaz Grala, all being in the same duel, and one of them goes home. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fascinating to watch what happens, and it makes Wednesday night qualifying so important. you got to be the fastest of the two open cars. should mention that if you've never watched qualifying before for the 500, on qualifying night, if you're the fastest two of the open cars, you're locked into the show. There is no question. You don't have to worry about the duels. you got to go out there, race, keep the car clean. So even if you wreck it, you're still locked in if you can get it fixed. But you got to be the fastest two of those six cars on Wednesday night. And if you're not, you're in a world of hurt because past that point, 
38 cars are locked. There's only two more positions, and there's only one spot really up for grabs in each of those duels across four cars at that point. So it is going to be a thrill ride to see who makes the race down the stretch. I think that the two cars missing the show, I could see obviously the 44 car, and then I'm going to go with a 62 again. I think Alfredo can make it happen, but will that car have the speed? It did not last year with Austin Hill in it. I don't think it will this year with Alfredo in it, too. And it's a shame because it's a solid team. All right, so we'll move on to the next part of this topic. Just the biggest moment of the weekend, the Daytona 500. It's the most prestigious event of the year for the NASCAR Cup Series, the Super Bowl of racing for NASCAR. Who is going to win? The Daytona 500. Shoot your shot right now, gentlemen. Who and why? Sean, start with you. You know, I I debated going with just like a total wild card pick here, but um, I, I can't do that in, in, in good faith. I'm going to go with the driver who went second in 2022, Bubba Wallace. He's historically a good plate racer he's finished second in two daytona 500s and in the july race 2021 i'm going with him even though it might be a a little bit of a expected pick out out uh, with how he's finished i'm going with him sticking in the ford camp i think if keselowski even if he doesn't get the pole i think he's still gonna have a great shot really hope they bring a fast car i'm gonna look like a fool if not him i'm thinking it's time for joey logano to rise up once again and show his restrictor plate dominance it's been nearly 10 years since he's won that daytona 500 and logano always seems to strike on annuals whether mm-hmm. it's a uh, especially when it's an even numbered year mm-hmm. logano just seems to be at his best so how fitting that his car number is 22 which is both even numbers i don't know there's a lot of good plate racing talent in this race it could be anybody i think Kislowski's a fantastic pick i think bubble wallace is a great pick they're always they're guys that are always up there competing for the win and because of that reason you guys might not like this but i'm gonna go with the proven success guy when it comes to plate tracks Denny Hamlin. I think that he's going to be up there yet again. Those Toyotas, the way that the bodies are made and just shaped, they're built for plate racing. Again, I described it a week ago as look like Squidward's nose. <laughs> it's just like the biggest brick. Those things are going to be insane pushing in the draft. And I think Hamlin is going to be the benefactor of that because he knows how to win not just plate races, but he knows how to win the Daytona 500. He's always a threat. If he does not win the race, he will at least be up there for the win in the closing laps. Uh, If I want to choose a fun pick that is not Denny Hamlin, uh, Kyle Busch. Redemption from last year. I think the eight car shows up. He was the fastest car there a year ago before he got dumped in the duel by Suarez. And I think Kyle Busch could also be uh, not just the dark horse, but a true contender for redemption this year in his second year in an RCR car. It's his 20th attempt, and he's in an RCR car. 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration. Can Kyle Busch rowdy get it done for RCR? It would be so fitting that he'd Mm. be able to. All right, with that, that'll conclude tonight's episode of Speed Zone. Dale, Sean, always a pleasure having you guys on the show. Thanks for talking 
some Daytona with us. It's going to be a big weekend in racing. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. It's going to be exciting. And again, thanks for tuning in for Speed Zone tonight. Next week, we'll be at 5.30 p.m. before the Marshall men's basketball game right here on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Enjoy Daytona weekend, folks. See ya. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.